Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yes, from football.london here and welcome to the latest episode of Gold and Guest Tot Tottenham. The international break is finally over. Premier League football returns on Sunday for Tottenham with Newcastle making the trip to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So we'll be taking a brief look back at the international break. And also, as promised, we've got a Tottenham Q&A coming up today. Alistair Gold is joining me as ever. Ali, have you finally recovered from the international break? I'm getting there. Only because we're almost done with the thing. Um, you know, you do know it's the end of the international break when Robert Guest returns from his holidays. <laughs> strides back in with that swagger because he knows he's missed the bulk of all the chaos that is trying to write about a football club when there's no football going on for that club. Um, but yeah, no, we're almost there. Um, and actually, kind of touch wood, whisper it quietly, whatever kind of superstitions you want to put in there, it actually hasn't been that bad an international break for Spurs in terms of confidence for certain players. Doesn't appear to be, again, like I say, touch wood, no serious injuries for any players. Um, of course, it interrupted the momentum because they looked like they were starting to get going, Spurs. But at this point in time, I'm sure Conte will probably surprise us with something we didn't know. But at this point in time, yeah, it, it hasn't looked like too bad a break for a lot of those players. One uh, Tottenham player who has had a very good international break, Stephen Bergwijn. Uh, he, in his previous uh, trip back to Holland back in November, scored a crucial goal and got an assist in a win over Norway, what clinched World Cup qualification. I think at the time it was a boost he needed because he just pretty much come back from injury and wasn't getting the game time. And then again now, in recent months, it hasn't been getting the game time with Dane Kulisewski, Sonny Min, Harry Kane playing. So for him to go on the international break, score two very good goals against Denmark in a 4-2 win and then get another goal uh, earlier this week against Germany. Really well taken finish. Uh, hopefully that will bode well for him over the remaining parts of the season. Yeah, yeah. It's lovely to see. I mean, you and I are both the same. I think we're both... We like Steven Bergwijn a lot. I think he's just had... Just unfortunate timing with a lot of either injuries or other players coming into form when it looked like he was going to get a little run. Um, and so it is. It's, I feel like the only worry is he's maybe becoming a bit like Joe Roden in that he's enjoying his best times away from the club. And that's not a good thing. You know, it's like I'd hope now he gets back. And, and you know, I think he's in a situation right now where Conte from the bench is probably looking to use Lucas first. Whereas, you know, you'd maybe argue with performances like this and the confidence he'll have should, you know, if he doesn't start on Sunday, which you'd expect he probably won't. But if he doesn't start, he should probably look to Bergwijn first from the bench. That, that's my feeling. It's, it's not to do down Lucas because Lucas can change a game with his pace. Absolutely. If, if you need him from the bench. But just feel with Bergwijn right now, you've got a player who is absolutely will be buzzing. And I mean, I saw the quotes from him 
Um, I don't know if you did after, I think, I'm not sure if it was after the first match or the second one, but he was essentially asked whether this will change anything for him at Spurs. And it was quite sad. It was a bit like, well, you know, it's not up to me. What what can I do? You know, just I can only keep doing what I'm doing. And, and that seems to be the case. And I kind of feel like, I'd hope that Conte rewards him for this. You know, it's not like he's a dog or something like that. But, but you know, if you're going to go out there and score three goals in two games for your country and, and earn rave reviews, really, um, you should be kind of rewarded in some way at your club level. And obviously, I don't think they'll be with a starting 11 place because of the way those front three have been playing, but at least get him off that bench quick enough. Yeah. I know we had a massive say in January in that Leicester City game. Course, yeah. I can't see him breaking up the front three at present, but I do think in the final what nine Premier League games left, I still think there's time for him to have a big say in the top four race because it's not all going to be smooth sailing for Tottenham over the coming weeks. There's going to be times where Conte is going to have to look to his bench to change things up. And that's going to hopefully give the likes of Bergwijn and Lucas an opportunity. And, you know, opportunities have to be taken by them. And uh, fingers crossed, we will see a bit more of him over the coming weeks because he uh, he did impress over the international break. And surely you're thinking he deserves a bit of game time coming his way. Uh, as mentioned earlier, you mentioned uh, Joe Roden uh, played very well the other day uh, for Wales against Austria in the World Cup qualifier. I don't think he started in midweek, did he? But I think he came on and uh, he got the captain's armband in the end. So yes, yes, a good few days for Joe. Yeah, it really is. And and what I liked was uh, I don't know if you saw, you know, while you're away on your your travels, uh, Rob Page. Uh, the Wales boss said that Conte had had been watching the game, and actually there'd been a conversation where he he expressed how impressed he was with Joe Roden's performance, which is true. And, and as Rob Page said, you know, he's coming in off no, he's a very fit lad, but coming in off no like minutes really for Spurs to come in and do that in a big crunch World Cup qualifying game, and he absolutely bossed it at the back. He was superb against Austria. Um, and, yeah, I mean, again, that's another kind of nice thing that, that Conte is recognising what he's doing. But exactly the same as Bergvine, you know he's then not going to come back and start really in the in the starting 11 at the, that, the next game. Um, but this is what I can just only do is go away and, and take any opportunity they get to impress. And uh, if anything, perhaps, and it, you know, it makes me sad to say it, but perhaps for Roden and Bergvine, these are shop window performances. Maybe in the summer, whether it's a loan or whether it's a sale, maybe these are the things that kind of make people sit up and take notice. I think with Joe, he's always impressed when I've watched him on international duty for Wales. He's literally like their main centre-back at the heart of the back three. And you just wanting him to get those minutes for Tottenham, but he's just not going to when Eric Dyer's there. And then in January when Dyer was absent, Sanchez was played centrally. Romero can play there as well. I know Conte's previously said Roden is Dyer's understudy, but I think there's another two players ahead of him, really, in, in terms of playing in that centre-back role. What's uh, really unfortunate as well. Uh, for Spurs, quite a number of players had really good international breaks. Harry Kane scored a penalty for England uh, against Switzerland on Saturday. He's closing in on Wayne Rooney's record now. I think, what is he, about four off? 
four or five yeah, off now. It's just ridiculous. It really is. I did a piece the other day because even after that game, everyone after was like, you just see it. And, and, you know, it is, of course, it is fans of rival clubs. That's what it is. It's this weird inability to recognise how good Harry Kane is. It was like, yes, yes, he scored a penalty. And yes, it was a friendly. But I like look back and he's only scored in six friendly, uh, six goals in friendlies. The rest of his, what is it, 40, it's not in my head now, is it 49 goals he's on? Yeah, 49 goals. They're, they're, from, they're from competitive matches. Um, and, yeah, I, I didn't like all of that at all. I don't like it. Just anyone that isn't biased towards an arrival club, you know, and this is the thing, I'm not even saying it's Spurs fans being biased towards Kane. I think just football people can look at Kane and just say, what a player. I was listening to um, the uh, podcast that Joe Hart did uh, this week where he spoke about a number of things, and one of them was Harry Kane. And he's actually said he could possibly be the best player he's played with, which when you think about the players he had at Man City, and he just the word he used for him, he called him a lunatic in terms of in training. He's just constant desire to improve himself. Um, and I think, you know, you see that. that the Kane even now is completely different to the cane of, let's say, three years ago. It's uh, a cane that not only is finishing uh, to a ridiculous level, but is also creating like a De Bruyne. (laughs) It's like, like, what a weird, incredible amalgamation of players he's become. Um, And I just, I don't like, I really don't like the disrespect he gets. It's like, I get you can have club rivalry, but, you know, I'd say Tottenham fans, Tottenham fans, can understand how terrific player Thierry Henry, uh, Thierry Henry was, for instance. You know, what, what an incredible player. So I don't understand why. I think always the key thing for me, would you want him in your team? And the answer is yes, then you know he's a really good player. And he is. And, and yeah, he's going to smash Wayne Rooney's record. And not only that, you know, Wayne Rooney got his, was it 53 goals, I think it was, in 120 matches. I think Kane's played 68 and he's almost there. If that doesn't say everything, I just don't know what does. And, and, you know, I was looking back as well. You can't even accuse him of being a flat-track bully or anything because he scored against the likes of, you know, Germany and Spain. And he's he scored in big matches as well. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it was um, it was, it was was a good good, good, to- good break in a way for Kane. Um, I wouldn't say he absolutely was sensational, but he got another goal. Uh, he got close to that record. He got, uh, for Spurs' perspective, only got like the half hour at the end of the second game as well, which is nice for Spurs. It means he's not going to come in knackered now into the weekend. Um, but yeah, yeah, please put some respect on the name of Harry Kane, people, because he is, you know, we all know how classy he is, but I just don't understand why others don't. And I can only assume, I don't want to sound like petty or anything, but I think it is a bit of jealousy. I think that's what it is. I think it's, fans that would want him in their team. I think with Kane, he's going to smash Rooney's record. Why is he 29 this summer? So yeah. on, the inter- on the international stage, what has he got left? Maybe another four or five years. Yeah, possibly. Well, injury permitting, playing the next three tournaments, you'd imagine he could get 65, 70 goals quite easy, really, yeah. on current rate anyway. Which is going to be uh, tough to beat for the next person. Yeah, but I think what you've seen recently in a lot of the national teams is someone will break the record, then it won't take him as long 
the next player to go and break it. But I mean, you're looking back at the England one and that record just seems to stand forever, really. And then it was Wayne when who got do you, it. When do you think Dane Scarlett's going to beat it? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that was a joke, people. It was a joke. Well, well it might not be one day, but... You know, because I mean, we're going to talk about him in a moment for England under under nineteens, and uh, yeah, I just name popped into my head. But that, 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 I mean, that is a debate in itself, I guess. Who is the kind of the person to push Harry Kane? Who is his competition right now in the England squad? Because uh, maybe that's it's, 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 I can't really think of anyone that pushes him hard for his spot. I mean, obviously, you could look at Tammy Abraham's doing very well in Italy, of course. Um, don't know whether he's quite pushing him in the England team quite yet, though. No, uh, I think out of the current crop of strikers, no one's gone to push Kane out of the team at present. No. Obviously, you've got the likes of Sterling as well, but are they, I think he must be a similar age to Kane, and you can't see Sterling totally outscoring Kane over the next four or five years for England. So, not with his recent, England, uh, not with his recent scoring record, no. No, so it's going to have to be someone else. And as you mentioned, Dane scoring for the under-19s. Conte rates him extremely highly. Mourinho did as well. So if he can transfer his form when he was playing in the Tottenham's academy to the first team, when he eventually does break in, then, you know, Tottenham could have another future England striker right there. You have to stress, though, people, because this is a point where we say this and then this ends up on some story on News Network. <laughs> Golden guests say Dane Scarlett will be next England star. It's like, no, no, no. We're, we're talking very much in the future, potentially. You know, with, with young players, you know, you've really got to add that caveat that it's about not only keeping injury free, but it's about getting their head down. And he's very much unproven at the moment. We know that. We're, we're very much just talking about potential next generation strikers that's kind of what we're talking about because as we just said there's there's no one right now that you feel could be the one to challenge that record one day i don't don't think there is in this current crop with no disrespect to your man uh, dominic calvert lewin or anything but i don't think anyone is going to be gunning for that goal record right now so we then have to look at the next crop and of which dane could be a part of but it's down to him i guess really do you want to speak about Dane? So I know you've seen <laughs> Why not? Uh, a few of his goals this week. He he scored a bullet header, didn't he, in the first oh, game? Brilliant. What a header. And then grabbed the couple more again in the next game. So really good international break for Dane. Yeah, he's done terrifically. That, that, that headed goal against Republic of Ireland was, a, oh, he kind of had to improvise his body shape to reach the cross. And it was so good. If you get a chance to find it, I think it's it's on Twitter. I can't remember where I saw it. Um, it may even be that England uh, put it out at some point, but it's a brilliant header right into the top left corner. Um, then he wasn't used in the second match for England, and then he kind of roared back because they, I presume they rested him uh, to play against Portugal. And yeah, he scored both goals in what was a crunch match against Portugal and under-19s European Championship qualifier. Um, and his record for the under-19s is ridiculous. It's I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think it's something like nine in nine, nine goals in nine games. It's something like that. So, yeah, he's had a terrific break. Uh, Alfie Devine has been playing alongside him in that England under-19s team. Um, he's slightly slightly newer to the England 19s setup. Um, he's only played maybe about five, six games, maybe slightly more. Um, but he got his first international goal um, in mid, uh, midweek as well, um, which was... 
a nice low finish and he actually could have scored another one straight afterwards. So it's all development, it's all progress. And I think tied in with Conte having a big old kind of uh, dollop of praise for Dane Scarlett just as they were about to go away on international break, I think that would have played its part. You know, having a world-class manager tell you how amazing you can be in the future is going to boost your confidence. And, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a really interesting summer to come for Dane. I mean, I think I spotted among the q and I think we've got some questions about him, so I'm not going to go too much into that side of things now because I'm sure you or I will answer that in a bit. But uh, big summer for Dane Scarlett coming up. I really do think so. And uh, it was it was a good week for the younger players. So Spurs had a lot of players on international duty. On Tuesday night alone, there were 21 Spurs players. Um, sorry, on Tuesday alone, um, which is... That's a massive kind of... T- People say that, oh, oh, Spurs Academy, they're not producing enough and all that. You look at how many players, young players, Spurs had in international action, you know. They had um, players playing for England and England under-19s, France under-19s, um, Ireland, England under-17s as well, Scotland. Um, yeah, all over the shop. Spain under-21s, although technically, yes, you know, they had to buy Brian Hill, so it's not really an academy product, but... Uh, yeah, no, it's good. And Troy Parrott as well. You know, we haven't even gotten to Troy. I mean, I'll let you talk about Troy because what a goal. Yeah, brilliant. Deep into stoppage time. I mean, it was pretty much last kick of the game. Ball just broke kindly to him on the edge of the area. Took a touch to steady himself and then an absolute rocket of a shot into the bottom corner. And I think Parrott's probably described that as his uh, best moment in his career so far. And Parrott hasn't been in and amongst the goals at MK Dons, as many probably would have hoped. But he has played a big part in their promotion push. He is a regular in the team. He has scored a couple recently. Uh, he's been getting a lot of praise. And I think after a few difficult loan spells last season at Millwall and Ipswich, he just needed a loan spell, uh, you know, to just rediscover his best form. And he's certainly impressing at MK Dons, their manager's, raved about him a number of times and I think he'll return to Tottenham in the summer. A very confident player and uh, it's going to be interesting to see what is next for Troy because this season was a big one for him and I think next season is going to be a big one in terms of his development as well. Definitely. Did you see he... um, I can't remember who put it on Twitter. It might have been Windy Coys. Um, Chris put it on Twitter. Um there was an interview that Troy did a couple of weeks back, which I completely missed at the time for MK Dons. Um, and it was a good five and a half minute interview. And it was with a journalist. I don't know who it was, but it was someone that, you know, I don't want to give props to other journalists as if like we're this kind of like lads club. Well done, lad. But it was a really well done interview. It was an interview which um, they clearly understood kind of, I don't know, it may have actually been a club journalist, actually. I'm not sure. Um, but they understood kind of how to deal with a young player and how to get him to open up. His early answers were a bit like, as you get from younger players, like five, six words, and that's it. Whereas they kind of they boosted his confidence during the interview. It was very well dealt with. And, and you got to see this really kind of mature side to Troy Parrott, which you know we might not know of because we just know him as, what is he, 20 now? I think he's turned 20, hasn't he now? And we just know him as this kind of young striker. And it was a really interesting engaging, mature interview where he spoke about having a season where the goals haven't come, but his development has a lot. And how, as a striker, you're, of course, desperate to score goals, but actually 
it's probably going to be in one of his most impressive seasons in terms of everything else that he's contributing. And, you know, you and I do the loan roundup every week. We we kind of look at a lot of the local uh, reaction to how he's doing, look at how the local journalists in, in Milton Keynes see his games and stuff. And there's pretty much been overwhelming praise. Other than that, I think he had a little sticky spell maybe midway through the season. But at the start and in recent, say, month or two, he's absolutely coming on leaps and bounds. He's like a real key figure in that team now. Um, and the way, you know, he deserves to be scoring a lot more than he is. And he, he has been getting a few goals. And I think that goal for Ireland, um, is that his first international goal? No, he scored a no. couple, didn't he? Remember I, in, think, uh, I think it's his third. Yeah. 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 Yeah, he did. But, but that one was obviously... That was a special goal. It's a, it's, a, it's a goal that showed everything he can do, the touch, the technique to do it, the rocket of a shot, and the fact that it's like a last-minute winner. Even in a friendly, it's it's a big thing for a young player, and uh, and that will only kick him on. And I think you'll see him do some big, even bigger performances now in, um, in League One as well. So, uh, yeah, another one, another player that I think is going to come back and there's going to be some interesting summer kind of decisions to be made over him because... Yeah, it's it's for to, to obviously they're going off on the tour in South Korea, and I think I'd be surprised if any loan moves are decided before that because I think Conte, hopefully Conte in the summer, will be um, having a real close look at some of these other younger players and seeing kind of who's ready now to actually be a fully full part of his team and, and who needs to go back out on loan. I think with Parrot as well, MK Dons are absolutely flying in League One. Yeah at the minute and they're like on the cusp of pushing for one of the two automatic spots i think that's only going to help his confidence as well and if mk dons do end up winning promotion to the championship then i think spurs are going to have to consider sending him back there on loan because his first spell in the championship with millwall didn't go to plan so the obvious yeah. next step is for him to take that next step up back into the championship uh, so I think that's one we'll all have to keep uh, an eye out on. But I think it's really good to see Parrott just back on track and doing what he does best. Okay. Uh, whilst there was some good news for a number of players on the, the international break, uh, some bad news as well for a couple of them. Then Kulisewski and Sweden, unfortunately, missed out on qualification to the World Cup with Poland getting a 2-0 win. And then Davinson Sanchez and Colombia have missed out on qualification from the South American groups. Instead, it is Brazil, Argentina, Ecuador have gone through. Someone else has gone through. And then Peru are in the playoff. can't remember the other team who's gone through. It's gone off the top of my head. But yeah, so unfortunately, Davinson's not going to be there in Qatar uh, in the winter for the World Cup. Seems strange saying that, winter World Cup. Oh, yeah, it is weird. It is, it's a—it's an aberration, let's be honest. It's just, it's going to be very weird to have the season broken up. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, with that many internationals in the team, you are going to have some who are going to have their disappointments and, and not qualifying. And Kulisewski also took a massive whack to his face in his first international match. Um, big, like, golf ball size kind of thing that sprung up on his cheek, just under his eye. Um, I saw a photo of him in action in the second match they had. Um, yeah, Poland. And you can see he's got a proper shiner underneath there. Um, but, you know, what better way to put that disappointment behind him than to come back and smash it for Spurs? And uh, at least you know he'll definitely be on the South Korea tour as well. <laughs> so will Davinson Sanchez in the summer. Um, yeah, no, disappointment for them. But obviously, 
one huge positive, and we mustn't let him go because even some some fans might not even be aware of him. It's young Callum Cesse. Um, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing his surname right. A uh, young development squad player who's he can play as a right back and he can also play on the right of midfield, which is exactly what he did for Sierra Leone. Um, got called up, maybe a little bit out of the blue for 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 some people, but uh, presumably they've been tracking him for a little while. Um, sub, it was unused sub for his first two games, then came off the bench. Uh, sorry, then was started in his uh, in the third match, which was against uh, Congo Brazzaville, um, playing them in Turkey, and he scored twice. What a debut! What an international debut to make as well. Um, one from the penalty spot as well. Um, so to come in there as a 19 year old and also be able to take, also be trusted to take yeah. a penalty as well. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I mean, it's terrific. It's kind of like a like a fairy tale, I guess, for him really to to do that straight away for your first um, thing. And he's been kind of in and around it for Spurs the first team. We've seen him in training a fair bit. I feel like he was involved in some of the Conference League squads early on, wasn't he, under Nuno? I'm pretty sure. Maybe in Pesos. Um, did he even come on? Like, do you know what? The Nuno era feels like seasons ago. It doesn't even feel like the same season. Um, I can't remember. But but certainly he's been in and around the first team, kind of set up and, and certainly involved in training. Um, but yeah, Big, big week for him. It really was fantastic. Yeah, he definitely featured in pre-season. I can remember him playing at Leighton Orient in the summer. And I think, like he says, he was probably yeah. uh, in and around the Europa Conference League squad. So, yeah, brilliant for him. And I've just remembered the final team who qualified from the South American uh, qualifiers, Uruguay. How could we forget? Rodrigo Bentenker. There, of course. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, good good week for him as well, and he's definitely a player Spurs really needed to come back without any injuries as well. Um, yeah, 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 fantastic. I think he was one of the latest. Him and Sanchez were the latest two to play, weren't they? I think technically it was like half twelve UK time um, on Wednesday morning. Um, yeah, yeah, no good news for him. That, that's that's going to be another player that's going to be coming back with a lot of confidence to Tottenham. Right, shall we get on with the Q&A now anyway? We've got plenty of, of questions to we get through. We have a lot. We have a lot of Tottenham ones and we have some other random questions that have been thrown at us that are going to be quite amusing as well. Right. Do you want to start us off or do you want me to yeah. pick a question? No, I can pick a question for you to start off. Um, Go on then. I will pick, let's have a look. Um, someone's asking about international break. We've just covered that. Okay, Andrew Eza. Uh, asked, don't you think that we need to focus on other positions buying a new wing-back as rumours are circulating about Sergio Reguilon leaving? Yeah, I think Real Madrid have the option, don't they? They've had it in yeah, last summer. They could, summer buy him, yeah. they could buy him back for a certain fee and then this summer as well for a certain fee. So, yeah, I think that's something Spurs are going to have to keep an eye out on. But I think Madrid... I don't know who's their left back at the moment. Is it Phelan Mendy? So I think Marcello's on the bench now, so potentially yeah. going to leave. So they're going to have to look at it at some point. But Madrid are going to have to spend quite a bit more. Is it around 10, 15 million pounds more than Spurs bought him for? Something yeah. around that I mean, figure. What is Spurs getting for? About 28. I yeah. think we worked out it'd be early 40s, something like that, which is a big amount of money. You know, it, it is. And for Regulon, I wouldn't say he's, he's lit the world up at Spurs either. He's had some 
good moment. I suppose it's whether, yeah, it's whether that's a, whether that's a kind of financially viable deal for them or not. Although I think Barcelona were linked as well with him, which would be a strange move for him, bearing in mind his Real Madrid uh, ties. But uh, yeah. Yeah, and as well, could you say has Region improved that much that his value shot up by ten to fifteen million? Probably not, really. So I mean, if he was to go, then Spurs could make a tidy profit and look elsewhere. Because it looks like Ryan Sessignon is Conte's favoured one in that position at present. So yeah, we'll have to wait and see. But Fabio Perastici will have his eye on a number of positions because he'll want to get the best squad possible for Conte next season. Right, Ali, question for you from Chris. This is at Spurs Logic. Does the end of the season now feel like a sliding doors moment for the club? If we manage to make the Champions League, we'll likely keep Kane and Conte. We can buy the best. If we miss the Champions League, both could leave and we'll be left in a terrible position and going into next season. Um... Look, there's no getting around the fact that getting into the Champions League would be a major boost for, for certainly Harry Kane, I think, and keeping him playing at the top level of football again. Um, and obviously, financially, it'll be a big boost. Personally, I don't think it should have to be a sliding doors moment. I don't think that, you know, I'd be absolutely bewildered if, you know, Daniel Levy and, and Spurs and the board and all that are thinking, oh, if we don't get top four, that's that. You know, I think they have to get into this summer and regardless of the top four, make, match Antonio Conte's ambition. You know, we're at a stage now. It's like, how many years can we just keep going with this, oh, you know, Spurs are a project. Spurs are this and that, you know. And we're doing it the, the Spurs way, the, the, the cautious, careful, bring in young players way. It's like, I get it. And I get it worked for a while, certainly under Pochettino. It kind of fitted his philosophy quite nicely until they stopped buying players for a couple of transfer windows, which didn't help anything. Um, but I just feel like if they maintain that policy this summer, then regardless of the Champions League, nothing's going to happen next season. It's just not. You have to alter the philosophy for this summer. And I'm not talking going out and spending silly money at all. It is definitely it's about buying the right players. But I think it's about tweaking the philosophy in a way that you do, yes, of course, you still buy young, talented players for the future. But I think you've got to mix it up with some ready-made ones. And I think that shouldn't have to rely on the Champions League. Yeah, of course, you know, there are some players who will only want to come to a club playing in the Champions League. But I think there's also a lot of players that will just want to come and play in the Premier League as well. So, yeah, I, I, I get what they're saying about it being a sliding doors moment, but... I don't think Spurs should allow it to be a sliding doors moment. But that's my don't don't use it as an excuse. That's what I say. Um, right, one for you. Let's have a look. Um, Thfc Shelfside asks: Will Rob Guesty cry if Everton get relegated? We'll we'll find out at Norwich on the last <laughs> game of the season. I think. Although I have made the request to cover Arsenal against Everton because if it comes down to it. Uh, when I have covered Arsenal numerous times in the past, they do tend to get absolutely slaughtered. So it could work both ways. It could help Tottenham out and get the top four and also keep us up. So, yeah. So you're going to abandon me on the last day of the season, but you're doing it for the benefit of everyone. That's what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think hopefully it doesn't come down to the last day and we're safe by then. But I 
Dominic to come down to the final day and be just checking the score at Norwich. Yes, so it won't I don't be an enjoyable day. No. Go on then, what you got for me? One from Paul Brown with Harry Maguire apparently being made available in the summer. Would it be worth Spurs signing him to play in the back three? <laughs> Where has that one come from? <laughs> that is... Um, uh, I probably would say no, and I think he'd be a lot of money as well, regardless of what the current opinion on him. I think, you know, what was he signed for? About 70, 75 million, wasn't it? A lot? It was like a Van Dyke kind of figure, wasn't it? Um, yeah, I'd, I'd be surprised at that one. Um, and also, he's probably more is the central role, same as Dyer, isn't he, really? I wouldn't imagine him on either flank of the back three. So, um, yeah, I'd probably say no to that one. Um, I wasn't expecting that one. That was definitely a, a different question. Um, right, one for you. Okay, well, you, you can have this one then. Um, I'll try, try to do some kind of mixing up ones for you. Stephen Lloyd asks, apart from meeting the footballers, what's the best thing you've got to do that you would, wouldn't have normally because of your job? Uh, attending the Champions League final, I think. Yeah. I mean, I'm never gonna do that <laughs> with the club I support, and oh, uh, you never know. it was uh, a great experience. And just the shame they lost it. But another one for me that summer was uh, attending Chelsea's pre season tour of Japan, it's a place I've always wanted to visit. I was lucky enough that. Ollie, at the time, our Chelsea club writer, couldn't make it as he had a family wedding to attend. So I got sent over to Japan for seven or eight days. The same time you were awake or in Tottenham, was it in Shanghai? Uh, so, 2019. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So great experience that. And uh, I think that's How one. How did you deal with the food, though? Because you're, you know, you're a man who likes <laughs> his English food. How did you handle Japanese food out there? I just about coped. <laughs> to be honest. Do you like sushi? No, I've never had it, to be honest. <laughs> he went to Japan and didn't have any sushi. That's impressive. No. Yeah. Uh, so I think pre-season tours are the ones like everyone likes doing as a club writer. Yeah. I think you're yeah, exactly great. the same, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. No, they are. They're a very cool experience and, and it's getting to see different cultures and how they enjoy the Premier League and Tottenham or, or Chelsea in that case. Um, it's very different. You know, well, we're used to seeing the very English way of watching football and supporting a club, and it's a, it's it's a great experience to see how others do it. Right, one for you from Sebastian Robbins. Should players who are set piece specialists, specialists, sorry, is that the Italian? Yeah, word? specialists be targeted in the summer. Uh, as in my opinion, it's a missed opportunity on both corners and free kicks, which is something we've lacked for a while. Uh... Oh, this is going to sound... Uh, uh, no, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think that... It's not like, you know, it's not like buying a kicker in the NFL, uh, bringing in a kicker in the NFL. Um, I think you look for a player who is very talented and if they happen to also be a set-piece specialist, then that's terrific. But no, I don't think you'd go for someone specifically because of their set-piece ability. You know, like, obviously you could point to someone like James Ward-Prowse. Um, but he's a terrific footballer as well. He just happens to be making headlines because of his uh, set-piece ability. So, now I think uh, I think that would be an added consideration, but I wouldn't say it's something that you'd specifically look for as the sole uh, main attribute that they have. 
Um, right, <laughs> I'm going to ask you next. Um, Hotspur Hurley, 61, asks, could Spurs cope without Conte and Kane after the season? It's not a scenario I want, but it's possible. Yeah, I think that's a scenario no one wants. But at the end of the day, no one's bigger than the club, either. And you see managers going all the time. The same with players. When Kane's been absent, Son has stepped up. Uh, you want Kane to stay for you know the rest of his career. But there is going to be a time when he eventually does move on, uh, which will hopefully be he retires at the club. Uh, yeah, it's a situation no one wants, to be honest. And hopefully it doesn't come to that. But there's going to be a point where there's going to be changes in both positions. Right. One for you from a Troy Parrot fan. Uh, is there any chance that Kyle Walker could eventually return to Spurs? Kyle Walker or Kyle Peters? Is it Kyle uh, Walker? No, it says Kyle Walker. Uh, I was thinking oh. the same thing when uh, I read it first time. Maybe the men uh, Walker Peters, but no, Kyle Walker, he says. Uh, uh, <laughs> again, God, you're throwing some wonders at me that I absolutely was not anticipating. Um, I suppose you could never say never, but I'd be surprised at this point. I mean, I do think, obviously, he'd fit this system very, very well. Um I mean, is there a sense that he could leave Man City? Um, I haven't really heard I, too much on that, to be honest. I can't say it. I think he's a, he's a regular. Uh, I think Cancelo yeah. plays uh, left-back, and given his age, I know Conte wants experienced players, but would you be looking for the long term and buying someone, say, Etarik Lamptey, someone like that, who you can have in the team for years to come? I think so. I think Lamptey would be very expensive. Um I, don't know, I suppose Walker's 31 now. Um, you know, if they'd have asked me Carl Walker-Peters, then, you know, I do wonder whether there's some kind of clause in there that can buy him back at some point or something like that, or, or whether they get a first option if he was to become available. But, um, yeah, no, Carl Walker would be... Uh, look, you know, don't get me wrong. Carl Walker and Danny Rose at their peak for Spurs were probably two best fullbacks Spurs have had in the in the modern era. But um, yeah, I don't know. Don't know whether I can see him coming back anytime soon. Cue Carl Walker signing in the summer for Tottenham <laughs> in a shock move. Um, I don't know. He was very. I mean, he was very happy at Spurs. He had a terrific time at Spurs. But um, no, I'd be surprised at that one. Um, right. Um, Kane Vanner asks, would any Everton players make it into the Spurs squad right now? Yeah, a number of them. Uh, you can have Michael Keane for a lot of money. If you <laughs> no, 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 no. This isn't a fire sale. This isn't you getting <laughs> rid of players you don't want. Um, and actually, I know he said squad, but I think we should probably tweak that to starting 11. Is there Just, any that would get into starting 11? Probably not at the moment. Uh, the squad. Yeah, I think you'd take DCL. I know you're a particular fan of Richarlison. I like oh, yeah. No, I like Dominic Carver-Lewin. Richarlison, very talented player, don't get me wrong, but he just spends too much time on the deck or complaining about stuff. And if he could stop that and actually focus on being a very talented player, I think you'd get way more out of your investment in him. 
Yeah, uh, Jordan Pickford as well. Didn't Spurs need to look at a long-term solution to Larice at some point? Obviously, he did sign a new contract, so Spurs have got him for a, a couple more years, but you are going to have to get to the point where you need to find the man to replace him. So I think Pickford be a good one. Uh, the Corey that he's been linked with Spurs in the past, he's a decent midfielder. Yeah. I think you take him. Uh, I like Ben Godfrey, centre-back for us can play as a fullback as well. They'd be a good squad player. Uh, so, Anthony yeah. Gordon, is he the young one? Yeah, Anthony Gordon's a, a very good player, but given the options out wide at the moment, would he get in? Maybe not. Uh, but yeah, I think in terms of the starting 11, probably not. In terms of a squad, yeah, I think there'd be a handful, a number of clubs would want. Yeah, just going very quickly, going back to Carl Walker, just looking at it, he is pretty much, having a little spell in um, December, he is pretty much starting every game for Man City. So, yeah, that would be a surprise one if he were to suddenly uh, decide that he was heading off. I don't know when his contract's up. His contract is up in 2024, yeah. So it's not like he's going to be available for any cheap price this summer. So interesting question. Certainly got me thinking, but, uh, yeah. Go on, your turn. What have I got? Right, one from Jay Hinton, 1970. Do you think any of the young keepers at Spurs will make it? I think they've got a fair bit of belief in Brandon Austin, certainly. Otherwise, he wouldn't have just got that new deal. Um, you know, let's not forget that without having even played a competitive match, I don't think, he was in the England under-21 squad, which kind of shows that how highly he is regarded. Um, I think he's probably... I mean, Alfie Whiteman obviously has had a couple of loan spells. Um, it's it's really difficult when it comes to loan spells. I, I, I think there's often this thing of, oh, let's loan out the keepers. But it doesn't really work like that because when you look at it, how difficult it is to actually loan out a keeper. Someone told me this once. Someone someone was in football, I can't remember who it was, told me. And it was something that I hadn't really even thought of back then. But with a goalkeeper, um, to try and get him a loan, if anyone's looking for, you know, the club that want to loan him out want him to play every week. They want him to get the minutes, and that's the whole experience side of things. Yet, if there's a club who want a new number one, probably very unlikely to make that a loan player. You know, you want to sign someone to be your own goalkeeper who's there for seasons to come. Um, so it's a really awkward position to get loan moves for, which is why you see them literally take anything. So... Not take it a bit, that's disparaging, but they will they will consider more different kind of offers. So that's why you're seeing Alfie Whiteman out in Sweden for a couple of seasons and why Brandon Austin went to Orlando City in the MLS. You know, you get these kind of loan moves that probably the normal the 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 kind of the average football fan will probably think, huh? But actually it's because it's you know, there aren't these League Two and League One clubs queuing up to sign loan young loan players and chuck them in their goal. It's sometimes you have to go as far down as non-league to try and get them, even though you know they're a better quality than that. Um, so, yeah, Brandon Austin, I think, obviously has a shot. Um, it all depends. I'm intrigued to see what happens next summer. Oh, sorry, well, yeah, in the summer with the goalkeeping slots. And, uh, you know, for me, Galini, I can't, I can't see why he'd want to stay again next season. And also with Spurs... I don't know why they'd want to make his deal a permanent one unless they feel that it's just a cheap alternative and then maybe eventually he could succeed Lloris. But, you know, it's not it's not like a young keeper. Was it 27, 28? Um, I know that's not old in goalkeeper terms at all. But I just wonder whether, 
you save the, I can't remember how much it was, about 12, 13 million, was it, to make Galini permanent? I feel like it was something like that. Um, I just wonder whether you save that for another area of the team and you bring in another free, experienced keeper, like a, like a Joe Hart type, another kind of guy like that who can provide cover but also help bring on Brandon Austin, um, you know, and help them because... You know, this is no disrespect to Galini, but I just wonder whether I don't know if it does him or Spurs any favour for him to become a permanent signing. Um, so yeah, yeah, we shall see. Ho hopefully, Brandon Austin progresses, and um, certainly a very good shot stopper. Um, it's just about bringing all the levels of his game up to the required standard, I guess, which is the same for all young players. Right, question for you. Neither of us we, we saw this question in the. Uh, in the lineup, and we kind of we were wondering who was going to ask it because it's a it's a lovely question. It harks back to the, uh, I think it was Dembele Vertonghen, wasn't it? Was it? I think, I think it was uh, Moussa Dembele. I can't even remember if it was uh, Billy T who was putting the question. I think it might have been him that asked the original question, wasn't it? It to, was. To he's, uh, he's tweeted yeah. it again. So so we should be honoured. I think that we're getting a, <laughs> a modern variation on it. So Robert Guest. Would you rather fight three duck-sized Christian Romero's or one Christian Romero-sized duck? I think this is the key question we're all waiting to hear an answer to. The uh, three ducks, three Christian Romero-sized ducks. And Might be reason. a different answer if there was like a hundred of them, then they'd go for the <laughs> one. But no, well, smaller, aren't they? Well, I feel like the original question to Vertonghen was a hundred, wasn't it? Or there was... I feel like, unless it's just other people's variations of it. Yeah, I think three duck-sized Christian Romero's, while still vicious, and I'd imagine going in for some very uh, tough tackles around your ankles, um, would probably be easier to deal with than a huge duck running at you. Um, although can ducks run? It's probably not going to run. Maybe it may <laughs> half fly towards you. Um, either, would, <laughs> either would be a very strange proposition. But would the fight you? Or would they do a Christian Romero and just go to the other end of the pitch where they shouldn't be? I I, I think Christian Romero probably likes a bit of a scrap as well. Yeah, I, um, I think he does. <laughs> yes. So, uh, no, I think they would definitely try to fight you. Um, but, yeah, I love that question. I do. I do. Uh, um, whatever variations I see on that always make me chuckle. Right. Well, then, One from Stuart Simmons. Uh, what would you consider is most important when considering a move to a new club? We have a world-class stadium, training ground and manager. Is this enough to entice the best players? Um, I think, as I said earlier, I think Champions League does play a part. Um, obviously, as much as we don't want it to be, all the players will say it doesn't. I think wages and the wage structure, of course, does as well. Um, and the ability to play week in, week out. You know, I think we've seen that with the striker situation at Spurs. I know that there's been certain strikers that Spurs have been able to or could have agreed terms with a club for, but the striker didn't want to come because they knew Harry Kane was there and they weren't going to play too much football. Um, and I think that plays its role as well. So, yeah, look, you walk into that Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and you're going to be wowed. You, you drive up, you've driven into Hotspur Way, you're going to be wowed at that training ground. Um, I don't think that's the problem. Um, I think it's, yeah, it's understanding where Tottenham are as a club and the, in massive quote marks, project that's on the table in front of you and uh, and whether you can win things. And ultimately, 
Spurs track record doesn't scream team that wins things or is going to. Um, and this summer will be one of those where we'll see whether they can change that uh, perception. And, uh, you know, it was quite interesting. Like, listening to um, that Joe Hart, the, the podcast, um, I want to get the name right. What was it called? So in, in the Stiffs, it's called, um, that he was a guest on. He didn't want to talk to Jose Mourinho at first about coming to Spurs, Joe Hart, because he knew as soon as he did, he'd want to come because that's what Joe, uh, Jose Mourinho does to you, you know? And I think it would be the same with Conte. I get the feeling that if you spoke to Conte and he was definitely sold on what was happening next season at Spurs, I think you just see players signing up. I think you see players agreeing. So I think the manager does play a huge part, but ultimately what's going to happen at the club has to do that because it has a knock-on effect in both senses. Um, I've just seen the Carl Walker question, yeah. I completely missed that one. Really. Um, <laughs> um, that's one from the past. Probably won't ask that one right now. Um, ooh, good question. I like this one. Right. MS or at Toto underscore 71 asks, if we would have managed to get Luis Diaz... We wouldn't have got Decky and Benton core. Are we better off with them than getting Diaz? Yeah. Yeah. I think you're better with Benton Kerr and Kolosevsky rather than bringing Diaz in. Personally, I know Diaz has done so well at Porto over the past few years, done really well at Liverpool so far, and certainly would improve. Uh, the front three, but Tottenham have a really, really good player on the hands in Kulisevsky, who's only going to get better from the terrific partnership already with Kane and Son. Benton Kerr's just come in and, uh, you know, just hit the ground running. Uh, classy player on the pitch, really good on the ball, uh, just a calming influence there in midfield. Personally, I think the better off signing those two rather than Diaz for a fraction of the price as well. The headline I can see is renowned Everton fan <laughs> slates Liverpool's new signing. <laughs> um, I know what you mean, though. I do know what you mean. I think... I, I don't know whether they wouldn't have got both. I think maybe Kulisewski would have been the one that they didn't get um, if they'd got Diaz. Um, I just felt they were never really going to get Diaz because of the Liverpool interest that has been such long-standing and the player wanted Liverpool and... You know, his agent very clearly would have made it known to Liverpool that Spurs were making a move. Um, but yeah, there's no denying that the two Juventus players have been a terrific fit at Tottenham. They really have. Right, one from Marty Mariner. Liverpool aside, which is the game you are most worried about in the running? I was just looking again at Spurs fixtures this morning and they are, and it's Spurs, so it's never... You can't really say anything's winnable, but they are a good set of fixtures. If if you were to pick fixtures, they're a good set. And, you know, there's a lot of home games among them as well. Um, I'd say the one, obviously, would probably be the North London derby, which, you know, certainly the rumours for the past week or so have been that it's going to be in the penultimate week of the season, in midweek. There's some talk about it being the Thursday in that penultimate week. Um I think probably that game because it's going if if a big if Spurs can keep their momentum going, it's going to be a huge week that week. 
Um, and if it is the case that they're having to play Liverpool, then Arsenal uh, in quick succession, I think that kind of rather than just Liverpool game becoming a tough one, I think it becomes a combo, whereas both games are incredibly difficult. And that's not to say it wouldn't be if you were playing them in any other week, but I just feel after the effort you're going to have to put in against Liverpool to then have to raise it again for North London derby, yeah, that, that's going to be an incredibly tough game. Um, okay. All right, that's an interesting one. If you could change three things about Tottenham as a whole, what would you change? And that question comes from MSN, which is Finn LRXD. Uh, make a move early in the transfer market rather than leaving it until deadline day. That would be brilliant, both uh, for Tottenham squad and from a journalistic point of view. Uh, what else for the change? I don't know. What else would change? Uh, it's a difficult one. It, it is. is. A difficult question. What would you change then, whilst I, I have a think? I would love more clarity on injuries as a journalist. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome <laughs> to kind of know better time frames. Um, I would change, I think, just having a sense of what the fans want. I think that's one of the, I think Spurs and reading the room isn't one of their strongest points. I think we've seen a lot of examples, unfortunately, in the last probably three, four years, especially of just moments when there are decisions that are made at the club that are just utterly baffling. Um, and it's just kind of not having that understanding of how the just the normal football fan or Spurs fan thinks. And I think I'd like to change that. I'd like to, I'd love there to be someone in a position of power that just kind of gets it and, and understands how a club has to communicate and how decisions kind of impact on the fans as well. Because, yeah, I do think that's been a bit of a failing in recent years. Right, there's three then. I can't think of much else, to be honest. Fair enough. And to, be, to be honest, the good ones as well, what you've said. Okay, I'll take that then. Go on then, what's my one? Right, one from Louise Earl. Uh, Bale and Ericsson on the free transfer this summer. Um, Difficult one. I've kind of got... I love both Bale and Ericsson. They've been two of my favourite players at Tottenham in the modern era. With Bale... Do I think he fits Conte's system? Not a chance in hell. I just don't think he does. I think if you thought, you know, if you thought he came into Mourinho's Tottenham and struggled to kind of find his place, I think in Conte's system it would probably be even worse because Conte's system relies on incredible work rate off the ball. Um, and again, I keep harking back to this Joe Hart podcast in the stiffs that he's done this week. But even he talking about Bale, it's really interesting. It's like he was saying, like, he's just the most laid. But he's like, the expression he uses, to say he's laid back would be an understatement. And that's in training as well. And he said and there was there would be days when you could just see he didn't trust his body and he couldn't really get involved too much. And there would be days where he just suddenly found that confidence in his body and he'd be unplayable. And I just feel that at this moment in time, as brilliant as Bale is on his day, it's not what Spurs need. And I feel that if they did bring him back, it would just kind of be for the marketing side of it, the merchandise side. And don't get me wrong, there'd be games like we saw against Leicester away in the last game of the season where he can absolutely contribute. 
but for the amount of money he'd cost in wages and for a player who is not going to start week in, week out, you are going to have periods where you're going to lose him to injury. I mean, I know he's had other problems at Real Madrid this season, but he's probably, has he played like a couple of games for Real Madrid this season? It's like, I know there's bigger issues going on there. It's not purely injuries at all, but I just feel Spurs' biggest issue has been buying players that are either bargain players and they just represent a really good deal or buying players that they think will please the fans. Whereas I'd rather they just buy the right players. And if January proved anything, it's how successful that policy can be. You know, Benton and Kulusevsky have come in and, you know, um, there was maybe criticism of how well they could do. There's certainly you and I both, or certainly me, had the opinion of, oh, you know, Paratic has just gone back to his old club on the last day, uh, which I still think there's a case of being able to judge the window in that way. However, there's no doubting that the two players absolutely fit Tottenham and the Premier League like a glove. And I just think that any signings this summer have to be of that kind of, you know, um, ilk. And while I appreciate, I'd love to, of course I'd love to see Gareth Bale having a season that spurs in front of a full stadium with all the fans loving what he's doing. It would be, from a romantic sense, wonderful. But I just don't think it would be beneficial in the big picture to Tottenham. And in terms of Christian Eriksen, kind of depends where he goes this season in terms of how, if he can sustain what he's doing, his start's been terrific. You know, he started well for Brentford, um, for Denmark, you know. He scored a couple of goals, didn't he, this week? Um, yeah. And, you know, it's 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 brilliant to see. It is absolutely um, emotionally kind of such a lovely thing to see after everything that's happened to him. Um, obviously, he's that little bit younger than Bale. Um if he were at Spurs felt at the required standard, then then maybe, maybe in the summer, if they could get him on a free transfer, uh, perhaps. It'd be an interesting one with Conte, because I don't know whether I was entirely convinced that Conte really, really fancied him at Inter. You know, I think he ended up becoming a part of that team, and he was, you know, part of the team that won the title. But I don't know whether he was one of his... I mean, some of the early stuff he said about him didn't seem to suggest he was someone that he saw as... As one of his key players, he kind of ended up having to to fall into that role or or in a battle to become that. Um, I don't know. I mean, what are you like with players coming back? Are you uh, an advocate of players returning? Obviously, you had you had Rooney coming back, didn't you? Way back in the at, towards the end. Yeah, I mean, he was struggling at Manchester United at the time. He was in and out of the team, and it just didn't really work for him. Back at us, he's just. His fitness had gone, and I was still sharp in the head, but you could tell he was struggling. Uh, yeah, then if they can contribute to the team, uh, then I certainly would. Uh, I think you'd have to factor in their age and that, and they wouldn't be sentimental over it. I think you'd only bring him back if it benefits the team. You won't bring him back just for the sake of it. Like you said, we bail doesn't really fit Conte's system, does he? So yeah. as nice as it would be to see him back for another year, no, uh, I think they should be looking elsewhere. Can you imagine him chasing back like Kulisevsky to try and do <laughs> tackles on the edge of his own box? <laughs> it's not going to happen. He'd be so worried about his hamstrings. He would just constantly. Um, I like to throw the random questions to you. So Harry Woodland asks, what would you do if Harry Kane was brushing his teeth in your kitchen sink? I don't know. <laughs> that's, just... that's one of the weirdest questions we've had. 
I've no idea. I don't know. We'll see if that situation ever arises, to be honest. I, I, I wonder how he got in would probably be the first question. Yeah. Uh, he'd have a long way to travel to find my yeah. house, to be honest. He would. He would indeed. Um, go on, him. what you got for me? Right. It's one from uh, that Tottenham feed. It's for both of us. Uh, pick the best five-a-side team made from Spurs players during the Premier League era. We need a goalkeeper, defender, holding midfielder, attacking midfielder and a striker. Okay, right. I mean, goalkeeper has to be Lloris, doesn't it? I don't think yep. there's any kind of real competition for him in the Premier League era. Um, I think he's just, you know, I mean, he's been at Spurs for it'll be a decade, won't it, this um, summer? Um, right, defender. I, th- King. I think it's got to be. I, I was asked this in um, something I did the other day and I completely forgot Ledley King ex- existed. <laughs> it was just like the biggest shame I could have. I went for Alderweireld and Watongan in my defence. I completely forgot about Ledley. So, yeah, it's got to be Ledley. And obviously his ability used to have to bring the ball out as well. Defensive midfielder. Musa. I think it's got to be, isn't it? Musa Sissoko, yeah. <laughs> Oh, Dembele. No, it's Dembele, isn't it? <laughs> um, attacking midfielder. Modric? It'd be perfect for five aside. I think, just close I think control this is the toughest that. role. I think this is the toughest pick in our team. Because I'll, I'll throw some at you. So you've got, right. um, yeah, you've got Modric, obviously Ballon d'Or winner. <laughs> so it's like that really should put him in there. But you've got Christian Eriksen at his peak for Tottenham. You've got Deli Ali at his peak, presumably because we're gonna we know who we're gonna name as a striker. So someone that would work with that striker. Um God, who else have you had? All the attacking midfielders over the years have just vanished from my brain. Premier League. I mean, technically, I think Darren Anderton would get in there. I think he Van was der Vaart. Van der Vaart's another good one. I think Darren Anderton was right at the start of the Premier League era, although obviously he wouldn't have been at his absolute peak then. Dumitrescu. Um, Dimitrescu. <laughs> that is one from the past. Um, yeah, Nick Barnby. He's throwing loads in there. Ginola. Play him as an attacking midfielder. No, it was a the way, it was a Premier League. Yeah, yeah. Was it a Spurs yeah. Premier League? Yeah, Premier oh, League from 92 onwards. Uh, Ginola yeah, was like 97 onwards. And then also played Bale there. Yeah. I think, I mean, oh, I'll tell you what, peak bail. Oh, man, I think we've we've created, what? I think we've got one. Oh. But it's five aside. So would bail be best in on a small pitch? Probably not. I think you probably want him where there's a lot of space where he can run into and take his opponents on. Oh. Delhi played a lot of cage football when he was younger. So he'd be ideal. I think Modric in this tight game, working in the round players that he'd be perfect for it as well I'd, I'd probably... Dembele wrong. but then Dembele on a five-side pitch would be utterly ridiculously good. yeah um, I'd go Modric for my attacking midfielder right I'll go Bale so we, we can have our teams play against each other essentially not that it could because we've got four of the same and striker is it's got to be Kane isn't it there's there's no alternative is there unless you're going with big Vinny big Vincent Janssen <laughs> No, yeah. I, I think that's the team. I think it picks itself, doesn't it, really, in four yes. or five positions. That would be an incredible team. That really would. Um, okay, so your one. That was a random question about Scampi. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I asked that one. Um, 
What do you, Hoy Spurs, Harrison, Harrison Hoy asks, what do you think about Brian Hill in a left wing back role? Uh, yeah, I'd seen that question. Uh, probably no for me. I think he's got all the attacking qualities to be a success there. I don't think he's got the defensive qualities, unfortunately. I think Conte's made it clear he needs to, you know, get used to the uh, physicality of the Premier League. And I mean, he's only a young lad. He's only, he's really slight. Uh, I mean, he's going to be a, a point where he's going to bulk up uh, some, some point because he's going to have to, if he wants to get used to playing in the Premier League and become a Tottenham regular. For me, I don't see him as a, so left wing back, then he's got to play in the front three. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think he's uh, he's showing at Valencia as well, just how good he is as a winger. So, yeah, I wouldn't play him there. Um, go on, your turn. Uh, I'm trying to find it. There's one. It's not a question. It's a statement uh, from Balan <laughs> Doherty. Uh, it's just one for you, Ali. Can you ask Conte to play Alfie Divine, please? So when you're there tomorrow. Put yeah, that to Conte. I'll, I'll leave with that. Um, uh, there was one about Stephen Bergwijn. I can't, I'm struggling to find it now. Uh, basically, what does the future hold for Stephen Bergwijn at Tottenham? It's an interesting one. I think, kind of, as we said earlier in the pod before we start the QA, really, it's it's ultimately what he wants to do in the summer. I feel, I feel like he he's. For his development at this age, he needs to really be playing week in, week out. Um, and I just wonder with all the Ajax interest in him, whether, unfortunately, this is the summer perhaps he, he heads back to the Netherlands because if he's not going to be playing a lot more at Spurs, then I think you could maybe have to let him go. You know, it's, it's some sad thing about, you know, if you love someone, you must let them go kind of thing. But... Um, yeah, he he's you know Kulusevski is absolutely at the moment sewn up that spot, and unless there's an injury, I, I don't know. But the thing is, is Spurs. This is the frustrating thing that Spurs need that competition. They need the different options up front and in the attacking wide areas. But the flip side is, is those players may want, you know, maybe you could look at someone like Lucas Moura, and perhaps he's at the stage of his career where. I don't know, he's settled and he's happier to to kind of come in and out of the team and play all the cup matches and also come off the bench in the Premier League. Whereas perhaps Steven Bergwijn at this stage of his career, that's not something that he really wants. Um, I think it'll all be revealed in the summer. But if Spurs are also trying to look to raise funds, maybe he's a player that, you know, they know Ajax are going to pay a certain amount of money for as well. Um, so, yeah. Right, question for you. Kyle Calderelli asks... Have you ever been mad during a press conference because another reporter stole the question that you wanted to ask a player or the manager? And if so, do you remember what it was? And he also adds in, and will football under be buying the name and rights to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium? <laughs> yeah, in relation to the second one, I doubt it. I think it'll cost a bit too much. Football Just, yeah. London. They'd have to take a bit out of your wages, I guess, to cover that. <laughs> yeah, we don't want that to happen. Uh Regarding the first question, uh, no, no, I've never been in that situation. I think you need to go into a press conference with a lot more than one question because there's a number of journalists in the room and, you know, nine times out of 10, someone is going to answer or ask the question uh, that you want to ask the manager. So I think 
always need to go with backup questions uh, just in case. And it's one of these things. It happens. It does. And and uh, and I know, for, or Guesty knows from experience about the backup questions because Guesty will often have me just about an hour before a press conference quickly <laughs> messaging him and going, oh, no, I can only think of one or two questions. And he can give us some backups just in case they get asked. So, uh, yeah, no, we don't get mad. Um, I don't think anyone would ever deliberately like take a question that they knew you wanted to ask or anything. It doesn't really happen. Um, yeah, you've just got to go in there prepared. You know, that's kind of hopefully what we do in, in all lines of this job. Right. One for you from Joe Green. Actually interested in this answer. Uh, Ali, would you rather Tottenham get top four and Everton get relegated or Everton stay up and Tottenham finish outside the Champions League and Europa League places? Don't be selfish, I'm afraid. Don't be <laughs> selfish. I saw this one earlier, so I'd already thought about it. Um, while, of course, I want your team to remain in the Premier League, um, I've got to think selfishly about, um, as a job, getting you know covering a team in the Champions League, of course, I, I, you'd be able to console yourself covering a team that's in the... Uh, in the Champions League and, and the big games that that will throw up. And, you know, who knows the chance to maybe have another crack at that Champions League final um, high of your career that you were talking about earlier. Um, and, you know, it's only, it, let's be honest, if Everton did go down, it would just be the one season. They, they're not going to be a team that would stay in the Championship. They're not. I don't know about that. Yeah, but they'd have money, wouldn't they, as well? They'd put, put, some, they'd put some money and they'd sell off the likes of Richarlison and all that, and they'd pump it into a, a team that would come straight back up. So, yeah, I'm going to be selfish, I'm afraid. And I know which one you'd pick out of those two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'd have to go for the for the, for the Tottenham-based answer. Um, Nirvan Naidu asks, what other sports or activities do you both enjoy besides football? Uh, international breaks is, is one of Getty's activities. Uh, rugby league. Uh, for me, uh, I like tennis, especially for two weeks at the end of June, start of July when Wimbledon's on. <laughs> uh, not particularly a golf fan, but I do like the Masters. Uh, so yeah, that's about it for me. Obviously, football's just the main one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I do enjoy my NFL. So NFL is my kind of release from football, because um, otherwise, um, I mean. I think there's another question. I don't know whether we're going to get to it or not. It was another chat that asked um, how much football we watch outside of kind of what we have to watch for work. And and I do think kind of amalgamating that into this answer, I think when I was younger, I used to watch like just wall-to-wall football, just ridiculous amounts of football. I used to remember staying up late at night on, I think it was Channel 5, they used to show Argentinian football at like one in the morning or something. I'd stay up and watch that as well. Whereas now I think now that it's our job kind of, you know, seven days a week, 24-7, it feels like, I think sometimes you kind of have to step away from it a little bit. You can't watch quite as much. Otherwise, you just end up getting a bit, not sick of it, but you end up getting saturated, I guess, by the amount of football you watch. So, yeah, NFL is kind of my release. I do enjoy watching a bit of that. And I also like a bit of tennis as well. Um, yeah, and obviously... In terms of activities, everyone knows I do love my movies. So certainly a lot of movies, which uh, Guesty is not such a big fan of, unless it's got Space Jam in the title. <laughs> um, go on, should we do, I'd say, should we do two more each, two more questions each, and then we'll wrap it up? Yeah. 
Uh, one from George B. Uh, at what point do you think Conte will give first team minutes to some of our youngsters, most notably Dane Scarlett and Alfie Devine? Um, oh, it, it, this is one of these real difficult quandaries, isn't it? Is everyone wants Conte to play his strongest team every week and they want him to, you know, it's all about the results. But then on the flip side, everyone gets very excited about these young players, and understandably, and they want to see them in a team. It's like you kind of can't have both. Um, so, you know, I, I, unless Spurs are in a dominant position in any of these remaining games of the season, you're probably unlikely to see them come on. Although the way I was talking about Dane Scarlett, you never know. You know, coming off the bench potentially um, in the next couple of games, perhaps. Um, but then it's about the summer and it's about how they, you know, this Korean tour is going to be a big one, I think, for a lot of players. It always is every year, pretty much every summer tour, someone emerges from it, don't they? They do. I mean, we've had Skippy in the past. I remember Harry Winks back on the Melbourne tour years back. Was That was his one to come through. Uh, there's always at least one young player that kind of states their case for, for more first-team involvement. And, um, yeah, it will be up for grabs, I think. I think Dane Scott's kind of already there. I think Alfie Devine this summer could be the one for him um, to really push. I always remember Jaffet Tanganga, and unfortunately it does seem to be a case for him now, that he used to miss out on pre-season tours, whether it was through injury, whether it was being called up to the England youth sides. And it wasn't until his what might have been his last pre-season tour, which was the one that Troy Parrott started on. So, yeah, it would have been 2019. Um it was only on that one. I think he only had like a year left on his deal. It was a year left and an option for another. And finally, he was able to shine on that tour. And that's kind of why we now still have Jaffet Tanganga today, unfortunately, with injuries aplenty, which is just something he's got to get by. But yeah, now the preseason tour, that's where I think it'll be at. And then you go into a season where hopefully there'll be lots of European games, cup games, and that's when I think these players need to get their minutes. Um, right, one for you. Um, let's have a look. I want to give you a good one. Um, okay, there's an interesting one. This is an informative one for people. Um, crack or at IVCRXK asks, How could one pursue a career in football journalism like yourself? Uh, just write and keep writing and keep writing and just build up a portfolio. Uh, why did I? Did the sports journalism course at uni, uh, done sports broadcast journalism course uh, as a master's, done the NCT J exams. Uh, yeah, I've done a, a lot in terms of journalism courses. I think it's just that, just keep writing and writing and writing and, you know, send your work off to people and just keep doing different types of work as well. That's only going to enhance your portfolio really i think that's all i can really say about it and i think you'd say exactly the same just keep writing yeah yeah it's a, it's a job that you've got to be absolutely passionate about writing you know if you're just going to rock up thinking oh, i just want to go and go to football matches for free you know that is just as a, a perk of our job that's not the actual job itself and you've got to be used to writing a lot of content um yeah every single day so if you don't absolutely love the writing element of it um then you're not going to be able to do it so yeah that's what you've kind of got to train yourself to be able to do to begin with and then uh, 
yeah, get your name out there, get your journalism education in whatever form it is. There's various different routes you can go down. And, uh, yeah, and that's the way to do it. Right. One from Spurs Kai. Uh, your dream Spurs signing can be unrealistic. Wow. Dreams. Well, um, as Harry Kane would love to play with Kevin De Bruyne one day, let's bring him to Tottenham. I think he is just one of them. I just love watching Kevin De Bruyne play. I just think he's so good. Um, and I think put him in Spurs team and I think you potentially increase it into a title winning team just by that alone. Um, obviously, you need you need more to it, but he pushes you to become a challenger. Um, so, yes, very unrealistic, but I think he'd be incredible. Who's yours? Uh, probably go Mbappe, someone like that. Uh, yeah. Just a great player, but if you're going to be a bit more realistic and look at positions, what Spurs need solving, someone like Reese James at right wing back, although Chelsea and Spurs just don't deal with each <laughs> a other. more realistic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it was entirely more realistic, but I know what you mean. Um, yes, yes, he's a very good right wing back. Um, right, one for you. Um, the Allman Brothers band Samlin Man, that's their full Twitter handle, asks, what does a worst-case scenario look like if the fans fully turn against Levy and the board? Surely more protests at games, booing, boycotting will just mean worse things for the team in general. I'm genuinely curious to hear what an apocalyptic Tottenham could look like. It sounds like so much Mad Max 2. Um, but yeah, go on. In. Pretty similar to the scenes, I think, 12 months ago, after the uh, Euro European Super League debacle. Uh, a lot of protesting, a lot of fans just making the feelings clear. And I think at that time, there was no one in the stadium, was there? Fans weren't back in yet. Um, they had or the was Villa that? game. They had a Villa game where there were a few in and they were making their feelings known, certainly. when We had that really awkward, I can't remember if you were there as well, where the team um, came out eventually for a lap of honour, having lost the game. It was just the most shambolic thing ever, and you had like very unhappy people in the stands and, and a few yes. outside as well. Yeah, well, I mean, there was only a few thousand in that day. It wasn't like there yeah. was 60 plus, 60 yeah. uh, thousand plus in. So, yeah, uh, similar scenes to last year times a thousand or 60,000. <laughs> um, yeah, it wouldn't be pleasant. It's like it would be so toxic. Um, I think probably the only person that maybe would sate a few of their appetites would maybe be Poch coming back in that scenario if Conte were to go. But even then, you know, I don't think everyone would be convinced. Um, oh, that's just... I don't even want to countenance that right now because I think um, Spurs can't let that happen. This has to be a summer of excitement, not one of, like, toxicity. Right, I'll just find one more question for you. No, there was one from, one, yeah, there's one from Johnny Bravo about your favourite takeout food. Yours will be McDonald's and Chinese, no, won't it? Chinese, definitely Chinese. <laughs> yeah, 100% Chinese. Uh, one from Raul G. Uh, does Paratici plan on improving our learning system? Often we see young players go out and learn to a team that isn't right for them and it's almost a waste of time. Um, I'd say that that's probably been getting better already. 
Yeah. I, I think I was trying to think this season. I think I think Niall John is probably the one that hasn't been able to get the game time. Um, otherwise, pretty much every loan has done well. I mean, Keon Atete, they've changed. They obviously brought him back from Northampton, put him out to Cheltenham because he was doing so well and he could really play at another level. Um, I'd say pretty much every loan this season other than that has been pretty successful. So, no, I'd say that's probably a bit harsh this season. I definitely would say in the past there's been a few, I agree, um, where they've had to kind of fiddle about a little bit, change what team they're at, and it hasn't been quite the right move. But, no, I think this season that they've done pretty well in some of their choice, a lot of their choices. I think as well with Niall John's move, you were thinking at the time it's just the perfect club for him. And there was the link with Chris Powell as well, who's at yeah. the top of them and had been a Charlton legend. And you're thinking, yeah, he's going to really work out for him. And he just doesn't. I suppose it's pot luck, really, because you've had Jack Clark going back to Leeds thinking, yeah, he'll just kick on, played three games, didn't work out for him at QPR. It's luck of the draw, really, but. Like you said, this season, Troy Parrott's done well. Cameron Carter-Vickers has done really well at Celtic. Jamie Bowden did well at Oldham uh, at the start of the season. So I think there's been a lot more success stories uh, than there has been in previous seasons anyway. Right, I think we'll leave that there for today's uh, latest episode of Golden Guest Tottenham. Plenty of Tottenham questions answered and some completely (laughs) random ones as well. Uh, So... Yeah, we'll be back some point next week to review the Premier League game against Newcastle at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Sunday. And then also we'll be looking ahead to a trip to Villa Park with Tottenham taking on Steven Gerrard, Aston Villa. So as ever, thank you for listening and just keep with us at football.london for all your latest Tottenham news.